Section 12 of Mother Earth, Volume 1, Number 2, April 1906. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Josh Kibbe. Mother Earth, Volume 1, Number 2, April 1906. Section 12 A Sentimental Journey. Police Protection by Emma Goldman and Max Baginski. Chicago's pride are the Stockyards, the Standard Oil University, and Miss Jane Addams. It is, therefore, perfectly natural that the sensibility of such a city would suffer as soon as it became known that an obscure person, by the common name of E. G. Smith, was none other than the awful Emma Goldman, and that she had not even presented herself to Mayor Dunn, the platonic lover of municipal ownership. However, not much harm came of it. The Chicago newspapers, who cherished the truth like a costly jewel, made the discovery that the shrewd Miss Smith compromised a number of Chicago's aristocracy and excellencies, among others also Baron von Schlippenbach, consul of the Russian Empire. We consider it our duty to defend this gentleman against such an awful accusation. Miss Smith never visited the house of the Baron, nor did she attend any of his banquets. We know her well, and feel confident that she never would put her foot on the threshold of a representative of a government that crushes every free breath, every free word. That sends her very best and noblest sons and daughters to prison or the gallows. That has the children of the soil, the peasants publicly flogged. And that is responsible for the barbarous slaughter of thousands of Jews. Miss Jane Adams, too, is quite safe from Miss Smith. True, she invited her to be present at a reception, but— Knowing the weak knees of the soup-kitchen philanthropy from past experience, Miss Smith called her up on the phone and told her that E.G.S. was the dreaded Emma Goldman. It must have been quite a shock to the lady. After all, one cannot afford to hurt the sensibilities of society so long as one has political and public aspirations. Miss E.G. Smith, being a strong believer in the prevention of cruelty, preferred to leave the purity of the whole house untouched. After her return to New York, E.G. Smith sent Smith about its business and started on a lecture tour in her own right, as Emma Goldman. Cleveland. Dear old friends and co-workers, the work you accomplished was splendid, also the comradely spirit of the young. But why spoil it by bad example of applying for protection from the city authorities? It does not behoove us, who neither believe in their right to prohibit free assembly, nor to permit it, to appeal to them. If the authorities choose to do either, they merely prove their autocracy— those who love freedom must understand that it is even more distasteful to speak under police protection than it is to suffer under their persecution. However, the meetings were very encouraging, and the feeling of solidarity sweet and refreshing. Buffalo. The shadow of September 6 still haunts the police of that city. Their only vision of an anarchist is one who is forever lying in wait for human life, which is, of course, very stupid but stupidity and authority always join forces. Captain Ward, who, with a squad of police, came to save the innocent citizens of Buffalo, asked if we knew the law, and was quite surprised that that was not our trade, that we had not been employed to disentangle the chaos of the law, that it was his affair to know the law. However, the captain showed himself absolutely ignorant of the provisions of the American Constitution. Of course, his superiors knew what they were about when they set the Constitution aside, as old and antiquated, and instead enacted a law which gives the average officer a right to invade the head and heart of a man, as to what he thinks and feels. 
Captain Ward added an amendment to the anti-anarchist law. He declared any other language than English a felony, and, since Max Baginski could only avail himself of the German language, he was not permitted to speak. How is that for our law-abiding citizens? A man is brutally prevented from speaking because he does not know the refined English language of the police force. Emma Goldman delivered her address in English. It is not likely that Captain Ward understood enough of that language. However, the audience did, and if the police of this country were not so barefaced, the savior of Buffalo would have wished himself anywhere rather than to stand exposed as a clown before a large gathering of men and women. The meeting the following evening was forcibly dispersed before the speakers had arrived. Ignorance is always brutal when it is backed by power. Toronto. King Edward Hotel, Queen of Victoria, Manicuring Parlor. It was only when we read these signs that we realized that we were on the soil of the British Empire. However, the monarchical authorities of Canada were more hospitable and much freer than those of our free republic, not a sign of an officer at any of the meetings. The city? A grey sky, rain, storms. Although one was reminded of one of Hein's witty, drastic criticisms in reference to a well-known German university town. Dogs on the street, Hein writes, implore strangers to kick them so that they may have some change from the awful monotony and dullness. Rochester. The neighborly influence of the Buffalo police seemed to have had a bad effect upon the mental development of the Rochester authorities. The hall was packed with officers at both meetings. The government of Rochester, however, was not saved. The police kept themselves in good order. Some of them seemed to have benefited by the lectures. That accounts for the familiarity of one of Rochester's finest, who wanted to shake him at Goldman's hand. E.G. had to decline. Baron von Schlippenbach, or an American representative of law and disorder. Where is the difference? Syracuse. The city where the trains run through the streets. With Tolstoy, one feels that civilization is a crime and a mistake, where one sees nerve-wrecking machines running through the streets, poisoning the atmosphere with soft coal smoke. What? Anarchists within the walls of Syracuse? Oh, horror. The newspapers reported of special session at City Hall how to meet the terrible calamity. Well, Syracuse still stands on its old site. The second meeting, attended largely by genuine Americans, brought by curiosity perhaps, was very successful. We were assured that the lecture made a splendid impression, which led us to think that we were probably guilty of some foolishness, as the Greek philosopher, when his lectures were applauded, would turn to his hearers and ask, Gentlemen, have I committed some folly? Ovois E.G. and M.B. End of section 12 A Sentimental Journey Police Protection